You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. And we're sitting here inside 30 days to the Iowa Deer Opener. October 1st is so close that I can smell it and taste it. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm jacked up to start bow hunting. Uh, unfortunately, I don't get to hunt Iowa until later into the month of October, just because a couple prior engagements and out of state hunts. But I'm telling you right now with all this rain that we've been having, the deer are on their feet and I've got a couple deer caught on trail camera that I am very excited to start chasing this fall. And today's guest is Noel Gandy. Now, Noel is another hardcore whitetail guy Uh, he's as passionate about whitetail as the rest of us and today we're going to talk about things that we could try to do or strategies and tactics to shooting a deer early in the season and see if some of these principles can work where you hunt i mean we talk about food sources we talk about what deer are doing we're talking even about food plots we talk a lot about strategy for the early season and we even get into 
uh, a little bit of late season and uh, mid season, you know, rut type of, of talk as well. But the focus of this is if a guy only had one week to do it, how would he do it? If he had one day to do it, how would he do it? And, uh, he has the experience to back back this conversation up because in the past four years, I think three of his bucks have come in the month of October inside of 14 days. So uh, it's a really good conversation about early season hunting. And uh, that, so that's what we're talking about. But before we get into today's episode, we are going to do a little commercial here for Quiet Cat. Now, a Quiet Cat is an e-bike. It's an electric bike. It's basically a mountain bike with a battery on it. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're really fun to ride, right? But there's a lot of functionality that goes beyond them being just fun. Let's just say you, it's it's hard for you to get around, but you can ride a bike. Uh, maybe this will allow you to continue to hunt. A an e-bike can go anywhere a regular bike can go. And the cool thing about it is that you can pedal and the motor kicks in. It's called pedal assist, or it even has a throttle that you can just work with your thumb and you don't even need to pedal if you don't want to. But these bikes make it easy to get deeper into the property without having to drive a truck. So it's less of an impact to the deer herd. There's you know less pressure with one of these e-bikes. If there is some really steep terrain, they can navigate that fairly easily. So if you're getting older or if you have bad legs or you just, it's hard for you to get around, maybe an e-bike or a quiet cat is the answer to some of your problems. So if you want to find out more information about an e-bike the quiet cat visit quietcat.com and uh, check out their lineup of e-bikes and accessories so uh, quietcat.com check them out and we're done with the commercial so let's get into today's early season hunting strategy tactics and tips with noel gandy all right on the phone with me today today it's a returning guest mr noel gandy noel what's up man hey dan doing good today man so, I mean, we're recording this one day away from September, and September for me is really the ramp up to everything that I love about life is about to happen for us, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to say I love my family because I do. I'm going to say I love all these other things because I do, but... What grinds my gears? What what has me obsessively, compulsively thinking about how to walk into the woods or what travel route a deer is going to take? Or where? Like I'm thinking about a deer right now. Where's he at? What's he doing? What's he thinking? Like that's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I often say, I wonder if he's thinking about me too. That's right. You're thinking about him. <laughs> That's a fact. It is. Uh, it is what I like to call shooting season yeah. eve. All right, yeah. we're going to start shooting stuff tomorrow. We're going to start busting sky nuggets in the morning, as I like to call them, the uh, the doves. Yep. And uh, it's just man, it's a fun time of year. Today, on August thirty first, it's uh, outside. It's it's around noon now, and it's sixty degrees, sixty two degrees where I'm at. Yeah, and so I mean, it just feels like fall. Even it's starting to try to peep through. Yeah, so I'm with you. I yeah. mean, it's the uh, 
the passion becomes the obsession at this point. I right. like to think. I always, I always think of September as when you have the two MMA fighters staring across from each other and the ref is going over the, you know, you can't hit him here. Can't do this. Can't do this. Have a clean fight. Let's go. It's just me and yeah. the whitetail herd staring each other down right now, getting ready for this grind of a season. You know, sometimes it could be easy. Sometimes it could be hard, but it's like you're mentally preparing at this point. You're, you're finishing up all your gear. You're planning your food plots. You're, you're doing all these things to get ready. So when, the bell sounds, we can just start that fight. That's right. I, I often feel like they put me in a chokehold a lot of times. <laughs> <more than, laughs> yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely submitted more over the years than they have. That's a fact. In the phrase, tap out, I've done. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into this topic today because – my goal in life is to be able to locate a deer, hunt him, and kill him within the first week of October, right? And the reason I want to do that, it's like a goal of mine, is because I feel that I am a, I, I would be considered not only by my peers, but but by others, or uh, by, by myself, that you could be you could consider yourself a better hunter if you can get it done in October because let's face it man when the rut is going wild you know the rut has its advantages and disadvantages of trying to locate a a buck especially one that's on your hit list but if you can get it done in yeah. October there's something special about that what do you think about that I really enjoy October hunting I, I guess because I have had a level of success uh, here in Iowa in October, this will be my fifth year to be able to hunt Iowa as a resident. And so for the first four years of that time, I've, I have shot a buck three out of the first four years before October 14th mm. or by October 14th. And so I, I have an affinity for that because largely that's what I, what I know. I've not actually got to do a ton of rut hunting, um, just because I've been tagged out, and yeah. so, which is a great problem to have. I almost think I, if I hunted the rut the year that I did really hunt the rut hard, I overthought it too much. Um, so, But back to your question, I, I really enjoy October because I think you still have a good chance of really finding a target buck because they've not started branching out so much. And I – just personally, I, I enjoy the part of hunting where I have a relationship with, with the deer I'm trying to hunt, meaning that I, I have some sort of history with him. I certainly, absolutely, you know, giant comes by that I don't know. I'll whack him. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I think in October, especially early, you, you have the best chance of finding a target buck rather than just, uh, you know, during the rut, him happening to pass by. That's also kind of the, the case for late season, maybe. Like, really late season, if they come back to where they've lived, you know, for food or whatever, uh, you can you can get back on a target buck that way pretty easy. But during the rut, I feel like it's sometimes it could be a little crapshoot because they're, uh, different deer have different personalities. Some will go and they'll stay in a home range, and then some will they'll venture out four or five miles, you know. So it's just a... 
I don't know. I like October. It might just be because you're getting to hunt finally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's a big part of it, too. Uh, and I, I think uh, one of the things I learned over the years was if I want to, especially on smaller pieces of property, right, where we yeah. we start, you know, we start getting into this October hunting, and now all, all we're doing is we're just p- pressuring deer. Except, you know, you know, if they're nocturnal and they're showing up on trail camera or, or maybe you're not seeing mm-hmm. them from the tree stand, all we're doing is educating them, right, especially on a small parcel. Yeah. But if you have you know, some other places to go hunt and, or a bigger property to where you can hunt the fringes before you start making aggressive moves in that late October, early November timeframe. I think, I think we're just like doing more harm than good, but I, I'm also the guy that I strongly believe that you can kill a deer any type of day, any, any time of day, if you, if you play your cards right, and not any time of day, but any day of the hunting season if you play your cards right you know obviously you can't hunt in the dark but yeah i don't think there is a buck out there that sits in his bed from 30 minutes before sun comes up to 30 minutes after the sun goes down right i just no. i don't think that's happening so i think that leaves a little sliver of hope for the guy who can only hunt Octobers to make maybe some aggressive moves and, and get the job done on him. What are your thoughts? I agree that there, there's no such thing as an unkillable deer. Uh, there are some, there are quite a bit more challenging. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They're going to get up at some point in time. It, they might not go very far uh, and they can certainly stay in one place for a long time, but they're, there's an avenue to, to get in on a deer, just depending on how aggressive you want to be. To, to your instance of having the small property, I have a very similar instance. Uh, it's about an 80-acre piece, uh, and it's dynamite. I mean, it's dynamite, and you can hunt it uh, with different winds, and so it's it could be useful all the time. I don't want to over-infiltrate that early season right now just because – I don't have a really big deer that I'm interested in like super aggressively pursuing on that piece right now. Right. Uh, they, he might, he might trickle in later, uh, during when it, you know, when the crop comes out, which I feel like might be a little early this year for our part of the world. When the crop comes out, we'll get a fresh, you know, a few extra deer that'll hit that timber. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to overpressure it if there's not something I'm super, super interested in and getting on a deer that I'm really interested in getting on. So the flip side to that, Dan, is if I have a giant that, man, I want to kill that deer, and, and that, that's that's what I'm dreaming about, that deer is the one that's keeping me up at night. If I find that he has daylighted any on that piece, I'm going to try to figure out a way to hunt that deer while he's there because if, you can't kill him if he's not there, right? I mean, right. that's kind of an obvious statement, but I know uh, – I think back to 2017, I had a deer that we call lover boy and, uh, he was notorious for showing up for two or three days in early October. And then you wouldn't see him again. until like October 31st. And he did that for like three years. He was an old deer, but he daylight, he daylighted one day on October 3rd, he at like seven 30 in the morning. And so we spent the rest of that time, the, the rest of that week hunting that deer, but just trying to stay on a pattern with him. And uh, granted, we we didn't see him again, but that's that's one time where I was not planning on hunting that farm. But that deer, he showed up in daylight, so that t- tells me he's close. 
you know, and, and when it's close, I can use I can use crop to my advantage or disadvantage, you know, however you want to look at it. It can be an advantage, and it gives me cover getting to a stand, and um, I can, you know, maybe think that the deer are possibly bedding in it, but it's a disadvantage because it does give them so many other options and places to bed. Um, I, I think that that's why the middle of October, it gets such a, a bad rap. People like to say the October lull and, and use that phrase and all. And, and there's, you know, there's some truth that deer sighting probably does go down. But, I mean, you just said we're pressuring them already. And so, naturally, they're going to avoid pressure. Uh, but, boy, if you hit just the right, the right weather, kind of after the crop has started coming out in mid-October, I think is dynamite. That's, again, that's one of my favorite times to, times to be in the woods. Yeah. So, you mentioned that there was three years there that you tagged out Mm -hmm. on your buck before what was it? October 14th, right? Yeah. So what about those three years? Did you find, uh, I guess, uh, a trend or what was it? Or was it your strategy? Was it uh, weather? Was it, you know, specific food plots? What was it? that allowed you to get the job done before October 14th in those three years? To, to uh, an instance, it was weather-related. Yeah. Uh, the first year, 2016, uh, I think it was October 7th, 6 or 7th, and it was the first day of a, of a cold front. Now, I'm from Mississippi, and um, I've lived in Iowa now four or five years. And I posted on, I remember posting on social media that day. I can't, or the day before, I can't wait for this cold front. And it was going to drop down to like, you know, 50 degrees or something, but it had been in the high 80s. And folks made fun of me saying, oh, it's not cold. You know, that's not cold. You, you're from Mississippi. You think it's cold. That's not what I'm necessarily talking about when I say a cold front. I'm talking about a, a, a significant drop in temperature. Right. Which uh, we had that. Honestly, we had that this weekend. Like, if it was October 1st instead of September 1st, we'd be jazzed to be in the woods because we had a 30-degree temperature drop. And that's going to signify something in in those deer. I don't know if it just encourages them to eat or get up a little earlier or it just, man, they just feel better. I know I feel better (laughs) and want to be outside. So, uh, But every instance was around a significant drop in temperature. I will say with the caveat of this past year, we had a cold front on like the 11th or 12th of October. And it was a significant drop in temperature, getting north wind. And so I hunted very, very hard for two or three days. And and without much luck, honestly, I was very surprised and shocked. But when we got the first south wind after that handful of days where there was north wind, the deer went crazy on that first south wind. And so I firmly believe that on the beginning and ends of, of fronts, it just triggers something inside of the deer to get them up. And, uh, they, uh, again, to, to a deer, um, they all revolved around, around beans as well. Um, one deer was walking a cornfield edge heading to beans uh, so I killed him technically in the corn, but he was heading to a bean field. But that was kind of to a point they were all heading to beans uh, for whatever reason. 
Okay. So those were the two kind of the two similarities that I've I've thought back over time and and, and realized that those things were all in common. So was this bean field a a food plot bean field or was it an ag bean field? Uh, no, they're all ag bean fields. Okay. Actually, uh, this is I've never had an, an option or an opportunity <laughs> to uh, do a food plot actually until this year. And so I'll even have more info. Uh, this food plot for this year is in the corner of a bean field, um, but it's it's a secluded bean field. You can't really see it from the road in any direction. It's lined with timber. It just seems like a really natural spot deer want to be, kind of yeah. anyway. Yeah. And so uh, you know I, that's definitely an advantage for me. Okay, so let's uh, let's think about that then a second. Um, it's the weather that you feel got this, a cold front. I mean, and let's be honest, a cold front is a, is a temperature drop. I mean, it's the same thing, depending right. on how you, whatever, however sure. you want to say it, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. And then it was the, what was the other uh, part? Oh, they were heading to beans. Now, were the beans brown and dry by then? Or did you, were you able to find some late planted beans or replanted beans that were still kind of green? So I've always heard that the deer will just turn their nose up at yellowing beans. Uh, but every instance they were all, they were all yellow <laughs> and turning brown, uh, which is kind of surprising and, and kind of shocking. But again, it, it might've just been the lack of, of other food available there. Uh, but they were all yellowing at, in those instances. So it's almost, you kind of throw, I've thrown conventional wisdom, kind of out the window and uh it's i think it's just something something special i don't know if the lord did it or, or what but, uh, but that's been my experience <laughs> so they 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 were still kind of yellow though right i mean yellow or brown yeah, right, by then yeah it's the wildest thing they weren't they weren't dry yet not ready for harvest uh yet but they uh they they all had a little yellow in them in fact i've, I've got video of the deer two years ago um and, and he's munching on yellow bean leaves okay so yeah on those fronts because i have a trend i want to talk to you about in a little bit okay. I, and i know it's closer towards the rut time frame when i kill most of my deer but with those cold fronts was there any significant precipitation uh hmm I have to think back. I can't. I can't recall off the top of my head. Last year, no, uh, it, there wasn't. There, there might have been some rain, maybe on the front end of it, that just kind of blew in with it. But it wasn't. It wasn't a massive amount. Okay. All right. And I can't. I can't think that there was. Uh, were on the other two instances. Yeah, and and when I say this, I'm going to preface this by saying a a significant, and I don't mean like maybe a lot in inches of rain, but a, like a whole day where. You know, the last eight hours or the last, you yeah. know, uh, 12 hours, it's been raining kind of consistently, um, sometimes hard maybe, sometimes light, but consistently. And what I've found in that period of time is if the end of the front matches a morning hunt or matches a evening hunt, so let's say that, that rain stops at 4, four o'clock in the afternoon, get in the tree stand because absolutely man something about 
them deer sitting and taking that rain all day long, they, they got to get up not only to, in my opinion, to freshen up sign, but also just to, man, they've been bedded down all day or however long, and it's time to stretch their legs and go eat. For sure. I can think to, um, this is not Iowa specific, but rather it is, uh, it was in Oklahoma this, this past year, October, I think, I think first or second, uh, it was right at the very beginning of their season as well. Uh, my friend Jeff, uh, Danker and his, his daughter Jaylee, and they had a, a guest in their camp. Uh, they had a massive rainstorm blow through and they went and they, thankfully they had box blinds kind of to sit in and, uh, over, over food source. Yeah. And they're sitting there and the water is pouring. I mean, just buckets, but they went and they got in those blinds before it started pouring. And the instant that that rain stopped, deer piled out. There was nothing while it was raining, but they piled out to that feed because that rain, A, it brought the, it brought the cold front in, but two, it, it rained for a while, several hours, like you're like, kind of like you're saying there. And as soon as it stopped off, uh, both, both hunters were able to get a shot at mature bucks, not just, you know, good ones, but both like really big deer. And so you can't tell me that that doesn't have something to do with it for sure. And, uh, that's not always the funnest time to try to go and get in a tree stand. You know, nobody likes to walk through wet corn and, uh, and get your gear and yourself, you know, nasty wet or anything. And a lot of times roads are difficult to get down, especially if you're on some of these level B roads and things, but, boy, that you're missing a dynamite opportunity to, to at least see deer and see what's happening in the area. Uh, boy, if it cuts off a couple hours before shooting light ends, I think that is my ideal time. Yeah. Uh, like the last hour and a half after that front, if you've got that magically lining up with the end of shooting light, boy, that's, that's just, uh, that's dynamite. Right. All right. So I want to give you a hypothetical question right now, and that is, I want you to answer it in two ways. I'll, I want you to answer if you only had one day to hunt, and that was opening day, October 1st. If you only had one day to hunt, how would you approach that? And then the next question is going to be if you just had one week to do it instead of one day. So first question, how does Noel Gandy go in and try to kill his target buck? What's he doing now? let's say September 1st or whenever this comes out, it's going to be like September 3rd between now and the time October 1st hits. And then you get one day to hunt. What are you doing to go and try to kill a target buck on October 1st? Okay. Right now I'm trying to figure out where he's a, where a target buck is and if he's huntable right away. Um, I'll give you two instances. I have two farms there across the road from one another. One I can hunt right now, and one I'm not going to be able to hunt until the corn comes out. So that automatically narrows down that instance for me. I know I'm going to have to kind of hone in on this one farm. Why is that? Why can't you hunt it until the corn comes out? It's access. It's all about the access. Gotcha. If I go in and and I blaze a trail through the standing corn, and I beat it to a pulp, and I lay scent down everywhere, and I make a lot of noise getting there, I'm probably going to ruin my one day that I have to hunt, <laughs> all right? And so I would rather go to a place 
where I can slip in and out really easily and not leave, leave all this sign behind because I know I've only got this one day and I'm going to take advantage of it. But there's a good chance I might can slide back in there another day at some point in time. Right. So I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to be very mindful of my access, how I get into that stand, and, and what my wind is doing. Even on, right? a, even on a one-day hunt? On a one-day hunt, okay. absolutely. Because I believe, Dan, and this is just a personal belief. I don't have any science to back it up. But it's just my, my thought from 25 years of observing that I believe that we scare more deer getting into and out of a tree stand or into and out of our hunting area than we ever realize we do just because of, of, of poor access. Uh, that's something I was never mindful of for a lot of years. I thought, oh, well, they, I didn't see anything as I walked in. I didn't bump it out. You know, clearly it's fine. But deer can smell so well that even if they don't blow out of the area, I believe if they get a whiff of something that they don't care for, they might not they might not even come to, to where you can see them necessarily. And so I'm being super mindful of my access as I'm going in because I don't want to blow the deer out from where I'm wanting them to come. Uh, but right now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm running trail cameras. And, and some will disagree with me and we'll just have to agree to disagree, but I'm running it over, over feed right now. Um, and we can do that for a few more days. It's getting time to pull it out because we want to have it out way ahead of, uh, way ahead of the season. I think we don't 30 want to days. Do that, but I'm finding right. Well, yep. uh, that's right. So we're at the end of that time. Yeah. Uh, necessarily. So, or, or naturally, but, but I'm, I'm running cameras and they've been over, over feed. I'm being careful that it's not necessarily over mineral because I don't want that to, to linger but something that can be gone very quickly yep and i know what deer is in the area so my expectations are garnered i have one day to hunt am i going to wait on a 200 inch deer if a 150 walks out well not if i don't have any pictures of a 200 inch deer right right i'm busting that 150 you know so uh so that's kind of what i would be doing uh, right then uh trying to hunt that one day and i'm trying to get I'm trying to find a deer that's that's coming out in daylight some. If I have a mega buck and he's showing up on trail camera, even if it's seven days a week, but he's showing up at midnight, then I'm probably not going to kill that deer yeah. uh, during this first week or this first day. But if I have a good buck and he's, he's showing up in daylight two or three times the past couple of weeks, I'm probably going to hone in closer to where he's showing up in daylight because that's going to give me my very best chance to get a buck in daylight, right? Uh, if I have a week to hunt, I, I'm probably going to do things uh, largely largely the same, assuming that you're saying the week is in October and not November. Um, if it's a week in October, I'm going to choose and pick and choose around that weather front. I'm not going to go in if it's blazing hot just because um, – just because I can hunt, if I can pick and choose the week, then it's going to be around a weather front, and, and it's going to, um, I feel like it's going to pay some kind of dividend for sure. Okay. So you mentioned that you planted food plots uh, this year. Mm -hmm. What food plot are you planting that uh, for a one-week season only? 
the first week of October oh, wow. is the only time you get a hunt. What food plot are you planning? And I know I, I told you before we started recording, I was going to throw you some nasty curveballs. <laughs> you did, and you're throwing it, man. <laughs> did I remind you that this is my first year planning food plot? Which, by the way, it is, it is dirt right now, basically, because we have uh, not had rain That's in right. a month yeah. here in South Iowa. And so even my – right now I have turnips and rape in the ground, and uh, they've not touched them just because there's not much to it. But I would think if I was going to use it – I have that specifically for late season. And, you know, some deer are going to use it a little bit early. Uh, but I've never had a late season spot, like a late muzzleloader spot, because I've never had food on the farm. So I thought maybe if I can have a little bit of food late season, we'll keep some deer – on on the farm and keep them from running away for you know three or four months yeah but if i was going to do it for for early season for october uh there's so much leafy and green right now it's it's tough to it's tough for me to say but i would i would imagine some sort of oat or or rye or something just uh that's really attractional right now again i'm no expert on that so forgive me I know a lot of people love clover, and clover can be good all year long, and it can actually be good for multiple animals. And so maybe some sort of clover even if you have a way to maintain it. Uh, Clover's no good if it gets really, really tall and uh, you can't keep it mowed is what I understand anyway. So, so yeah, something maybe leafy and green or either uh, like a rye or an oat with some seed kind of stuff on it. Um, And I, I have an experience in Kansas where um, I had great luck hunting over Milo uh, really early in the year. And, and I don't know if that's a big deal so much here, but there's lots of it down there. But it it's a really seedy kind of a head, and they seem to really like that early season uh, in that, that spot. So that, uh, that uh, beating all around the bush, I know is a question that you're asking, but uh, my, my expertise definitely does not lie in food plots, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, and even this time of year, right, I think the acorns, and I haven't been out into the the timber to really get a look at what the acorn drop is going to look like. I know a couple weekends ago was it, it was not this past weekend, but the weekend before uh, some trees started to drop and uh, my trail cameras showed that, right? You can have yeah. uh, you can have a, a deer coming to a field edge or to a, an ag or or coming to an area and then those acorns stop or they start and the, it, it just changes. and the pictures dry up. Yep, absolutely, <laughs> and it changes everything. And I don't know, and I think obviously that kind of fades in or slips into that early October time frame because all of the the foliage is starting to dry up it's probably not as palatable as it was you know a month previous or two months previous but guess what's there those acorns and you know from my experience especially if you're hunting maybe a big chunk of timber and and, you know mixed in with some ag they're going to choose those acorns over you know, uh, ag like corn or soybeans, if they have the opportunity to do that, that, and that, and that's my opinion. And I'm not an expert either. We have a really, uh, cool thing. I, I'm a pastor here in Shenandoah and, uh, we have a, a huge, huge acorn tree 
right outside of our parking lot area here. I mean, like you'll roll your ankle on them at certain <laughs> times of year. There's just so many. And uh, I can always kind of gauge what the acorns are doing by that tree, you know, without ever going into the timber. But I'm kind of a proponent of staying out of timber early um, just because I don't I don't want to educate deer any more than I have to. I'm, I'm terrible enough at it anyway, so they don't need my help. <laughs> Uh, but I can kind of gauge what acorns are doing by that tree. And granted, it's a lone oak, and it's it's by itself, um, and it's in the middle of town. But I can still get a, kind of an idea. And you nailed it, man. I've not even, like, as we're having this conversation, it's registering. But I have a couple of bucks that, man, they were religiously hitting a certain camera. And uh, now I'm getting them back once every four or five days, maybe. And uh, that has and it's all kind of equated back to that acorn drop. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. And uh, if they can be in the comfort of the timber and and be, A, they're cool, cooler in the timber, I'm sure, uh, and, and then, B, they can be close to water, they can be close to cover, they're not seeing human intrusion necessarily or, or other intrusion, there's safety there. That's all a deer wants is food, water, and security, you know. So if they can get all those three without having to get up and go and expose themselves, especially a mature buck, uh, they're going to do that every time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I want to throw in my two cents here uh, in okay. in this this whole hypothetical situation where, man, if if I only have one day to hunt and I know where a and I know where a big buck is coming or maybe going from, I am. I'm making a very aggressive move for that one day, for that one yeah. day hunting season, right? Uh, I'm going to cut the wind yeah. extremely hard to where he, I think he's coming from. My access route will be uh, will be for one deer and one deer only, and that will be whatever target buck I'm going after, right? If those catch my ground scent and run away, well, guess what? They catch yeah. my ground scent and run away, but they're going. But yep. when it comes to this early October timeframe that we're talking about, let's just call it the first 15 days of October. And I, and my trail cameras kind of dry up. I'm going into the timber and I'm going to set up on an acorn flat or someplace where pinch points travel corridors where they're coming and going staging areas. You know, I don't even hunt field edges anymore. Because my experience is statistically, if you see a deer on a field edge, there's not a lot of light left or he's just sneaking into the timber coming around. You know, obviously the rut can throw you a, uh, you know, a couple good encounters on a a midday cruiser or if he's chasing a doe Mm -hmm. or whatever. But the first 15 days of October, man, these, these deer are not interested in does yet. Maybe they might, they're interested in laying, laying some sign and stuff. So I'm going into the timber for every single hunt in that first 15 days, because, you know, unless I have a trail camera telling me that, oh man, this buck is visiting this scrape at four 30, the last three days or whatever. But typically and statistically that is very, that's, that's far and few between from the past, however many you know, trail cameras I've put over scrapes over the years. Right. 
Right. So, you know, for, for me, I got to go, I got to get in. I'm, I guess I'm that kind of hunter where I'm, I'm the mobile guy and that has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, some guys don't have the ability to be mobile. Some guys don't have the acres to be mobile, but if you get the opportunity, get into the timber, find that terrain feet, those terrain features, find that edge where the open timber kind of meets the real thick, nasty stuff and, you know, set up and observe, you know, and I'm, I'm also a strong component of not necessarily the same tree, but you can hunt a ridge on any wind if you have enough acreage right so uh, if a buck is using this trail on the same you know multiple winds or uh, coming through an area on multiple winds you should have an access route for that area for that ridge or that you know half an acre where you could set up on a north wind or a south wind or an east wind or a west wind there there's got to be a way for you to find a tree stand location and and again we're talking about iowa here so there should be and i know you live out west where there's probably less trees yeah it's a little little bit different yeah very similar yeah so i uh i don't know i'm just a strong component that you can always put yourself in position if you know obviously if the deer is consistent that gives you the advantage Absolutely. You have kind of, uh, I, I call it the hunting public mindset, which I think is awesome. They're super aggressive and, uh, you know, Hey, if we, if we blow it up, then there's somewhere else we can go. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a wonderful mindset. And I think it has a lot to do, like you said, also with, with your time that you have to, to be able to hunt a, yep. and then your, uh, land access. Are, yep. are you trying to baby a private piece or are you, want to go and you know get the deer killed (laughs) on on public or something you know so i think that's wonderful hey let me uh let me divert from you i I know you're the host and so forgive me for this but uh this is the first year that i've ever used cellular trail cams yeah i've always had just regular uh you know run go check them trail cams and i have a sneaky feeling that might change some of of how I hunt an area this year. Do you have any experience with cellular trail cameras? So a majority of the property that I hunt is a river bottom ground, right? So I, I don't get the reception necessary to run uh, a cell cam. However, I have my, my cell cams on the high ground closer to the ag fields and in the, the, I guess you would call it the, the, uh, destination food source, right? So mm-hmm. when I get a trail camera picture, uh, a cell cam picture of a deer, for the most part, it's during the evening time, you know, after the sun goes down, before the sun comes up, and I have, you know, it's not going to help me get on a deer yeah. unless, I, I guess I take that back, because the data is important. What I can tell you is, is that, I know where he's at at this time of day, which means he's not mm-hmm. he's not other places that time of day, which means let's say if I get a picture of him an hour before sun comes up consistently, obviously a guy would say, yeah. well, oh, dude, I can't hunt him there. I can't hunt him now. But guess what? You can hunt him closer to the bedding area. 
and you can That's right. do a run and gun or you can have a stand already set up or however you want to do it. But you get in there in the morning as he's coming back to his bedroom or a big fat pinch point or, a, a, you know, a, a staging area or somewhere of him coming back. And the same thing, it would be on a, you know, on an evening hunt, right? Oh, man, check out this scrape. But he's, he's there at 8 o'clock at night or he's there at 7 o'clock at night. Well, what's he doing an hour before that? Is he walking down? The, is he visiting a staging area? Is he under an oak tree? Is he walking through this this terrain feature on the same finger? That's why I would move in, in at that point and hunt him where he's not at, if that makes sense. Right. Now I can see. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna uh, finish by saying this. I don't know how I feel about cell cams uh-huh. right now because. There are, you know, Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young have both basically said that cell cams are a no-go. Like, if you get a picture of a deer and then you go and kill him, it can't be entered into our system, which I I could care less about Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young as far as as measuring (laughs) deer and if I'm certified or whatever. But I don't know how I feel about getting a trail camera picture of a deer and then go killing him 45 minutes later, right? If I was on the farm, I live an hour and a half away from the farm that I mostly hunt. So for me to go in and and do that would be highly unlikely. However, if I lived on the farm and I got a picture in one pinch point and let's just say he's by himself and he's cruising, well, guess what? I could pop on that other pinch point or further down the trail real sneaky like and then get a crack at him so sure that's 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 an issue for me that i think i'm just gonna have to if if it happens if i like it i'll keep doing it if i don't like it i'll stop doing it type of deal you know like it's gonna take an encounter or uh an experience for me to decide whether or not i like it what about you I I agree with you, and I think that's the beauty of hunting, man. You like you're you and I had different views on on attacking the first day, and and we probably have different views of other things too, and they all can work. That's the great thing. About Absolutely, it. I, I'm I'm very much in line with you on the trail on the cell cam things. I am loving it right now. Yeah, simply because I don't have to walk through a quarter acre or a quarter a mile of standing corn to go and try to check a trail camera yeah. right now. Yeah, uh, that's that's beating me up, and it's you know I feel like I'm scaring more than anything. So it's wonderful right now, just uh, because of the access and, and things. I've actually had a bunch of trouble with the self service. So I stay frustrated uh, as much as anything with it, but uh, but I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, granted, I, I live a little bit away from my hunting area too, except with the exception of one piece that's just right beside my home. Um, so it, it would be tricky. I could find it though, helping as, as a scouting tool, which is what it's intended to be really. Uh, again, I refer back to the, to the buck that I, I, I mentioned to you, he would show up for two or three days in daylight at the very beginning of October. Then we wouldn't see him again in daylight till end of October. Right. I found out that that deer had daylighted, uh, like two or three days after he had stopped daylighting, right? 
but he, I tried to hunt him the rest of the week, hoping that he might come back, but he didn't. And so I could take that information like, oh, man, he's starting to come and hit that scrape. I could use that to my advantage. And does that mean he's going to come by necessarily? It, it doesn't. But I'm like you. I, I'm, I'm torn on a little bit. I have him out because it's legal and, you know, it's within the means of the law. And so I'm going to use it. Yeah, currently, but I don't know what I don't know how I feel about it moving forward. I'm kind of like you on that. That's why I ask. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I've had, you know, I've had plenty of observations or uh, plenty of conversations uh, with people about this. And man, the the old adage, like you hear people say, well, just use your woodsmanship. People aren't, aren't using woodsmanship anymore. Well, man. You could argue that all the way back in time, right? Well, oh, the, oh yeah. You know, the, the I wonder if there was a, an Indian with a spear who, you know, <laughs> thousands of years ago, and all he had was a spear, and then another Indian with a a bow and arrow, right, or or some other uh-huh. evolved piece of equipment, <laughs> like like some guy said to his son, "Oh, that's technology." Yeah. Why don't you use your woodsmanship? You know, like, you know, yeah. You know, no, you're totally right. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's just evolution of how things go. I mean, I mean, we got Ozonics, you know, I, I use ozone. Um, I use cell cams. I use regular trail cameras. I mean, just there's crossbows, there's trad, there's high powered rifles. There's all these different things that are at some point in evolution of things before them. And, uh, yeah. I guess I don't get caught up to it. I do what I, I do what I want and I do what I like. So I guarantee it. It has brought me, uh, just speaking to the sale cam, I will say this as for right now, it has brought me another level of enjoyment and, and I really just genuinely enjoy when my phone buzzes and I have a picture. Absolutely. I mean, and so it's heightening that level of enjoyment for me. So uh, right now I'm, I'm having a good time with it. Yeah, that's a fact, man. I, I love give, getting those, uh, those pictures of, even if it's like a, a doe and a fawn walking through, I'm just like, this is yeah. awesome. I get to know kind of what's going on in the woods. I mean, cause ultimately it's where we all want to be all throughout the day. Right. So I get yep. this little piece of connectivity between where I want to be and where I'm currently at. And you know, Hey, Oh man, there's a doe there right now. Or, Hey, there's a young buck or, Oh man, it's a, there's a big buck or whatever, whatever the scenario <laughs> yeah. is. It's just cool to pick up your device and have that connection to a place that you really want to be. It can be frustrating too, though, man. I tell you what, I wake up in the mornings, and and unfortunately, that's about the first thing I do. I don't even tell my wife good morning hardly anymore. I just look <laughs> straight at my cell phone. Like, oh dang, man! You know, the sidekick buck didn't come in last night. You know, wonder what happened. I hope he doesn't have EHD. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's been missing for a day. That's a fact. That's a fact. And, uh, so there, there's all kinds of things that ways to look at it for sure. So let me ask you this: We're going to wind it wind it up here or wind it down but as far as october is concerned is there anything else that we should talk about as far as getting the job done killing your target buck or getting deer you know obviously if you're hunting does in my opinion it's just it's it's a different conversation right you might be okay with 
with uh, hunting on a field edge to get one of these one of these does to fill the freezer, right? But we're talking about you know a hit lister buck. Is there anything else that you think that a guy could do early October that would bring him success? Gosh, Dan, we, we've kind of – the thing that I preach is we've already kind of covered is just hunting those fronts and don't burn out spots. Don't burn out some of your best spots if you have other spots um, just for the sake of getting to go hunting. I, I know we all want to. I am busting a gut to go and, and hunt something right now. But if it's going to be detrimental to me down the road – I'd rather wait two more days until the weather was right, till the wind was right, than I had run in on something marginal, uh, unless the scenario that you prevent, uh, presented earlier, unless that was the case, that I have very, very limited time to do that. Uh, and so just kind of be careful around around those things. Um, I, I've had great success on field edges, but all, all the time they were transition areas to which something you kind of alluded to. And I think that that's a lot in, in due just to where I live at in the state. Um, you mentioned it earlier. I'm on the very, very far Western side. So we don't have tons and tons of timber to infiltrate. So kind of everything is a field edge, honestly. So that's, I guess that's why there's a little difference there, but the similarity is that it was transition areas and it was where the deer felt comfortable getting up a little bit earlier uh there also i want to be mindful of of the the infamous october lull that we hear about in the middle of the month i have some thoughts behind that of why deer activity seems to be a little uh, lesser uh one is a hunting pressure has started and they're seeing something that they've not seen in eight months and that's human intrusion outside of farm equipment and so that could cause some of that October lull. Two, their coats are changing. They're changing from summer coats to winter coats, and, and largely by October they're they're getting that winter coat. And so if you hit some warm days in there, they're they're really going to slow down some of their activity simply because they're 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 hot. Yeah. Uh, and, and so so that in that instance, all right, if I'm going to fight the October lull, what I'm going to do because that's that's my thinking is they're hot and they've gotten some pressure, I'm going to find somewhere cool near near something wet and near some water uh, that I think that they could be using if I'm trying to kill a deer in the middle of that month, if it's if it's warm. Right. Um, I, I know that's, that's answering all kinds of questions that you didn't ask, but... It makes a lot of sense, Nevertheless. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I am not a believer in the October lull. I don't think deer just yeah. stop moving. They they move no, the same, if not more, than they did two weeks earlier. It's just they're moving at different times, doing different things, and uh, they don't they don't just say, "Well, hey guys, it's October seventeenth, time to stop moving for uh, five yeah. days." Okay, so I don't think that. Right. I mean, we've got to take into account that their environment is changing rapidly. Yes. During that time. Yes. Uh, they're. Their, their home range has changed a lot because of the crop harvest, especially here in the Midwest. And and so just because you're not seeing them doesn't necessarily mean they're not in certain areas. Uh, they're probably just trying to figure out, <laughs> like I said, they want food, water, and, and security. 
uh, later on in November, the Bucks are going to want something else. But and you can kind of throw some of that security out the window a little bit. But while we're talking exclusively about October, that's I'm having to beat those things: their food, their water, and their security. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Absolutely. Well, Noel, man, I really appreciate you hopping on today and uh, chit-chatting with us and and uh, talking this whole thing out because uh, here in a here in a couple months it's going to be that time of year that we've just discussed and uh, hopefully uh, uh, the guys you know who guys and gals who listen to this maybe take one of those principles into the woods with them and, and give it a crack. For sure, man. I always enjoy talking to you, Dan. I'd like to just say I'm no expert by any means. It's just my experiences to share and I'm happy to share them with folks.